Welcome back to our High Five, where we highlight five fantastic things that are happening in the life of One Church. Let's get started. Coming in at number five, the Christmas season is here. We are so excited to be having Christmas services at each of our outposts this year, all throughout the weekend from December 22nd through the 25th. You can check out our website, church.one, for your outpost times or join us online for the Christmas service as well. There's gonna be Christmas carols, Christmas message, and of course, we'll be filled with holiday spirit. At number four, last Friday, the Manchester outpost was filled with friendship, food, and fun for the monthly potluck get-together of Open Roof. Our dedicated small group for families of individuals with disabilities. Every month, Open Roof provides a meeting place for parents and caregivers to fellowship and for their loved ones to enjoy singing, games, crafts, a special Bible message, and a million smiles. High five Open Roof to more times like this. Coming in at number three, students grade five through seven met last Wednesday for a game night at our Bedford Outpost, and it was a blast. They played basketball, they battled it out in some Nerf gun wars, and even sang some karaoke. Way to go, guys. Here's some more times like these. Coming in at number two, we are celebrating Brenda and how God is moving in her life. Last Sunday, she was baptized at our Brandon Outpost, and it was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Brenda. This high five goes out to you today. Finally, coming in at number one. Steve was attending our Brandon outpost this past Sunday and found himself ready to respond to what God was calling him to do and was baptized. Steve claims the truth that his identity is in Christ and we're all celebrating with him today. High five, Steve. Thank you for celebrating our high five with us. Cannot wait to see you for the next one. Hey church, I am so proud of you and the way God is moving because of your love for him. I'm thankful you are praying for one and you're helping us reach the most people in the shortest time. We have so much to celebrate and be thankful for. And I wanna take a few minutes to highlight some amazing things God did in 2022. First, thank you for your generosity. Your faithful giving reflects what is most important to you. Way to go church. We started 2022 with a new name, One Church, a name that describes who we are, not just where we were. Because of your generosity, we opened two new outposts, one in Franklin, New Hampshire, and one in Rutland, Vermont. And now we're actively sharing God's love in those two communities. It was just over a year ago that our leadership team was praying and worshiping in the chapel in the Rutland building. It was through worship that God revealed to us that this was the space God would use to transform lives through One Church for years to come. Because of One Church's generosity, we continue to reach the most people in the shortest time. Our online services have reached over 10,000 unique viewers in eight states and 11 countries. Way to go, church. We now have 28 worship services every week. Your worshipful participation is making an eternal difference in the lives of our ones. In 2022, we saw over 1,100 people connecting in groups on a regular basis. 272 people experienced Rooted. 208 people were baptized. 235 people attended Get Connected to take their next step and get connected. 
585 are currently serving regularly in various ministries. 1,114 kids checked into our children's ministry. Our online services reached over 1,300 people each week. We hired a residency pastor and have four residents in our residency program who are having hands-on ministry experience at our outposts. Through our outreach ministries, you help give hundreds of meals and warm clothing items to our under-resourced neighbors in the communities where we have outposts. Over 1,000 backpacks full of school supplies to our communities. Hundreds of Christmas gifts were given to families in need in our communities. Altogether, we have given almost half a million dollars to local, global, and regional outreach this year alone. Way to go, church. I believe God has incredible plans for us in 2023. Here's what you can do to help. Pray for our church to be a light in our communities so that we can reach the most ones. Pray we can help the most people connect to God, to people, and to the mission of Jesus. And as we move towards closing of 2022, would you please consider prayerfully giving a year-end gift? Simply ask God, God, show me what to give and give me courage to give it. You can go online right now to our website, church.one slash give and give a gift today. I believe in what God is doing, that He will use your generosity to help more of our ones connect to God, to people, and to mission. Church, get ready, because God is doing something great and we are on the verge of something amazing. I love you and I can't wait to see what God will do in 2023. Let's go. <laughs> it's awesome to be a part of that, isn't it? I, you know, there's, there's only so much like a, a one person can do. There's only so much that one group of people can do. But like when you have the people of God joined together with a, with a common vision and mission, man, it is beautiful to get to see what we get to do together. It's wonderful. It's fun. It's fun to see God move and, and watch, him, watch Him at work. So that's just great. Hey, I was thinking about... Um, the, the candlelight service that's going to happen next Sunday night. Um, that and Christmas Eve, there, there are, I, I think people are, are more open in this season to come celebrate and to come celebrate Christmas. And so I, I just kind of want to challenge all of you. Like, think about people that you could ask to, to join us next week, 7 o'clock. Um, kind of traditional in the sense of singing some Christmas songs and hearing the Christmas story. Um, just, you know, just I, I guess that's a little challenge I wanted to, to give to you. So we're in a series uh, called Simply Christmas. And really the, the goal of, of Simply Christmas is to kind of peel back kind of all the, the hubbaloo, is that the right word, uh, of, of Christmas that can sometimes get all-consuming and just get back to what the meaning of Christmas is, which I think we always long for. We always long to get back to, okay, well, what is this Christmas all about? And when you think about it, it's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing story that we're a part of. Today we're talking about simply worshipful and to be able to worship at Christmas, which is kind of interesting just even thinking about what, what worship is. Like when you hear the word worship, it's such a kind of a Christian word in some sense, and yet I think at the Christmas season, everyone worships. We worship in a lot of ways, if you could kind of, if I could kind of peg it or pin it down a little bit, it's the thing that gets our attention, the thing that gets our time, the thing that gets our emotions a lot of the times, the things that we're, we can get angry about, the things that we get excited about. Um, they can, can, can very quickly become things that, that we worship. We can worship Santa at Christmas time. Um, people can worship Santa at Christmas time. They can worship uh, um, materialism. I think we, oh man, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I think we can sometimes. Like, oh, we got to get all the gifts, got to get, get all the kids all the right gifts and all that stuff. That it can very quickly become that. We can worship money at, the time, at Christmas time, worrying about it and, and it being overly, being overly concerned or underly concerned, I suppose, in a lot of ways. Um, we can worship like just the Christmas season in and of itself. 
itself. Um, the food at Christmas, or family at Christmas, even good things, even good things we can end up worshiping. We can worship our kids, we can worship our family. All of these different things are necessarily bad, but, but, but it's there. each one can leave us empty if that's the fullness of our worship. And so um, today we're talking about simply worship. What is, what, what is it that we're celebrating? What is it we're worshiping? There's this amazing idea that the more I'm willing to stop and think about it and take time to really think about it, I mean, it's astounding that the creator of everything, the snow that was falling outside, the one who holds it all together, that he became one of us. And we can take it for granted, right? We, we, you, maybe you've heard it. You've heard the Christmas story. The story. Um, but when you really think about God becoming a baby, I mean, there is something amazing about that. I, I, I can't imagine any human being that, that, that could actually consider, like, could actually think about, like, the most powerful being of the universe humbling himself and being born in a manger surrounded by cattle to a young woman and a young man. Like, how, really, how strange is the Christmas message? Like, if you really stop and think about it, how odd, how strange is it? Like, there's something, like, amazing about it. There's something astounding about it. There's something unbelievable about it that, and you're, then you're like, why? Well, why? Why God is a baby? Like, like help me figure out. And, and, and Scripture will say, like, like, we don't have a king or we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand what it's like to be a human. Like, we have a king, you have a God who knows what it's like to live in a human body, to know what sorrow is like, and to know what pain is like, and to know what, what, what uh, all the things, that, what, what betrayal is like, to know, like, what joy is like and what sorrow is like. That's, that's our God. That's our God. Like, that, like, what kind of God is this? Like, I have to stop and think about it. What kind of God is this that would become one of us? And then the astounding thing is, is to, to grow up and, and eventually to die for us. Like to say that, that there are things that I have done, and let's be honest, there's things that you have done that builds the separation between us and the holiness of God, and you're like, oh, there's a real problem here. But what God does is he says, no, I'm going to take it on me. Like, I want you to know that, that you can't earn it, but I'm going to give you my grace. And you're like, I don't understand grace because that doesn't seem very just. And, and we have this problem of justice of, no, I've got to do something. And God's like, no, there's nothing you can do. It's only a gift to be received. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that the Christmas story is, is packed with meaning and it's... If we take time to consider it, there's worship that can come out of it. So our memory verse comes from Luke chapter 2. It's such a beautiful memory verse. We're going to say it together. And it's, it's the moment right after Jesus has been born. And they call him Jesus, which means God saves. How cool is that? The baby in the major. Let's name him God saves. Let, let, let this baby be a reminder that God saves. And... Um, so Jesus is born in a manger, and all of a sudden there are shepherds. There are shepherds in a field. And I don't know if it's night, but I picture it in the middle of the night, and then an angel appears to them, and that's where we pick up our memory verse. So it's going to be up here on the screen in just a second. There it is. We all say this with me. And, and here, just, just get, get into the moment. Get into the scene. Pretend like you're seeing the, the angel. And, and so this is what it says. Well, say it with me. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And, and when you hear this, I, 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 the, I thought about how much the people had been waiting a Savior. Like how long it had been. Like, like, like for generations, there was this promise that was given to this king named David. 
And David was a good king. David was, was one of the kings that Israel would look at. And a promise was given to David that someday, David, from your line will come a king who will reign forever. And then you have all of these prophets arising up in the Old Testament in history and saying that the king is coming, that the, the deliverer is coming, that he sees us. He sees, he sees our predicament. He sees, he sees the oppressors. They often thought about it in political terms. He sees these nations who are coming in and, and, and casting you into slavery, and, and, and your God is a deliverer, and he's a mighty deliverer, and someday he will raise up a deliverer, and that deliverer will be a, a mighty king, a wonderful counselor, a prince of peace, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and, and, and a root will come from the stump of Jesse, and, and all, of this, all of these prophets will come and and talk about this hero who would be coming. Imagine spending like your life hearing from your grandparents and even their great-grandparents and hearing stories about the Savior who's going to come. Like, like eventually he's going to come. Someday God's going to be with us. All of these promises and now there's shepherds in the middle of the field and lo and behold, it's happening. It's happening. And, and, and the shepherds are like, what do you do? What do you do when, when everything that you have been hoping for has all of a sudden started to occur? Well, they're like, let's go check this out. If a Savior has been born to us, if God is with us, let's go see Him. And I thought about that's like the same invitation that we're given today. Like, Jesus is here. There's this invitation. Come see Him. And so the shepherds, what do they do? They go see Him. They, they make their way to Bethlehem, and they go look at this chubby little baby in a manger. And as they're staring, I don't know if he's chubby, but a lot of babies, a lot of babies are chubby, right? Like, think of babies as chubby. And so they're, they're, they're staring at Him, and they're trying to comprehend. Like, how do you even comprehend? Let's be honest. How do you comprehend, like, God is here in the manger? How do, I don't even know how to understand that. I don't even know how my mind calculates that. But they're, they're sitting here staring at this, and like, there's the king. Here is the Messiah, the anointed one. Here is the promised one of God who's going to be the deliverance of his people. Now, did they understand what it was all going to look like? No, I don't think they understood exactly what it was going to look like. Did they ever see a cross or envision, envision this baby dying on a cross? I don't think that's what they understood. Um, but they know something has happened. And you start to see their response. Their responses, I, I picture them very joyous. When I think about the shepherds and the Christmas story, and maybe I'm projecting on them, but I think they're, I picture them as like joyous at this moment because it says they leave and they go, they go into the towns and they tell everybody what they've just seen. And then you get this other picture. You get this beautiful other picture because I, I'm thinking about worship and I'm thinking about worship around the, the, the Christmas story. And then you get Mary, uh, this young woman who has been told that she's going to give birth to a son and all of a sudden here he is and, and she, he's going to be the savior of the world. Can you imagine being told that you're going to give birth to the savior of the world? Like, can you even fathom that, like, as a young woman? And, and so she's sitting there, and, and the shepherds are there, and they're leaping and hopping. I don't know if they're leaping and hopping, but that's the way I picture them. And they're going into the city telling everybody, but there's Mary just sitting there staring at the baby. And it says that, that she's trying to... The wording is to pierce the significance of the moment. And I realize that that's worship too. That there is this joy side of worship of praise God for everything that you've done. And then there's this trying to pierce the significance of what is the meaning of Christmas? Like what is the meaning of all of this? What kind of God is this that, that, that does all of this? And so I was thinking about worship and I thought about waiting and I thought about the arrival and I thought about my kids. I have a couple kids who... Uh, they tell me in the middle of summer how many days it is till Christmas. 
Any of you got any of you got those? Any of you were those people? Any of you those people who are like October 31st? Are you like Christmas is ready? Like Christmas is here? You got the Christmas music blaring? You got you got it all happening? And and I thought about like awaiting Christmas and how how there's this waiting side, particularly as kids, like they're waiting for Christmas to come. And then you're on Christmas is on its way, and Christmas morning is there, and then you're waiting for your grandparents maybe to show up. And my kids, they, they're, or I remember as a kid, like staring at the window, waiting for the car to turn in the driveway. And the truth is, you're just waiting for them to get there because you wanted to see open all the presents because when they got there, they, they, so you're looking, you're waiting, and you're waiting for them to show up. And I thought about waiting, waiting for Christmas, and I thought about how all of these people have been waiting for Christmas, and now all of a sudden it's happening, and how do you respond to all of it? So we're in Ephesians chapter 5, which is kind of an interesting place to be on Christmas as we think about Christmas, but it makes me think about worship. And it, if there's probably something that we, we should always do at the Christmas season, it's to review our worship. It's to look at what we're worshiping. Like if I had to, like, if I were to ask you now, like at this moment, you'd be like, oh, I'm not exactly sure what I worship. But it's, it's a worthy question. What in my life am I worshiping? What, what, what are the things that get my emotions? What are the things that get my energy? What are the things that, that, that I can be preoccupied with? What are the things that, that where, where worship is happening? And, and so it's important to say, okay, well, what is, what is really worthy of my worship? What are the things that, should get my time and my, my focus. When um, We're going to be in Ephesians 5 in a second. I'll get there. But in Romans chapter 12, for 11 chapters, Paul will lay out the wonderful message of Jesus. I'll summarize it very quickly. I'll summarize 11 chapters very quickly. You were a mess. We all were a mess. Jesus came into the world to meet us in our mess to save us by becoming sin for us so that in him and through him we could become the righteousness of God. And in Romans chapter 12, is like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? How, how, how do I respond to that? And Paul will say to the church, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is really what worship is. And we sometimes, within Christian circles, we can put worship like, being in a building and singing songs, which is true. That is certainly a beautiful part of worship. And we could, okay, we're going to listen to a guy talk from a stage through the scriptures. And okay, that can be a piece of worship. But, but what is worship really? Worship is, your, is our entire lives. It's like, God, my life is now yours. That, that everything that you have done is worthy of everything that I am. And so I'm going to bring it to you. God, here is worship. And Paul will say, this is our only right response. And so what is worship? That's what worship looks like. So, so what are the things that I am worshiping? And, and, and how, what do I do with my worship? How do I worship God correctly? And so this is what Paul says. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, Be very careful then how you live. And I realize, as I was like thinking through this, I realize he doesn't just say be careful. He says be very careful. And it caused me to think, okay, am I being very careful about how I live? Like, if my life is now hidden with Christ in God, that's how Scripture will say it, my life is now His, that I am not my own, I've been bought with a price, which is wonderful, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Like, sometimes I want to be my own, and then every time I want to be my own, and I try to be my own, it gets myself into a mess. And, and so it says, no, Jesus has bought me. Now, now, therefore, be wise. Be very careful in how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful how you live. 
Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. I thought about making the most of every opportunity. He says, because the days are evil. There are, there's distractions. There's, there, there, the days, there's a lot of things that can pull me away, right? Any of you chase rabbits? Any of you, not, not literally chase rabbits. Sorry, that was almost my own rabbit chase in there. But like, any of you like chase rabbits? Like there's, you get distracted. You start to worship other things. You start to worship people. Or you start to worship places. Or you start to worship things. Or you start to worship you. Or you start to worship all of these other things. And what, what Paul says is, be very careful about how you live your life. If your life is now God's, and if your worship is now today, if your worship is now what you've got, which is breath in your lungs and blood coursing through your veins and ears and, and a mouth and, a, and hands and feet, then be very wise about how you live, not as unwise. Be very careful about how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And then he says this phrase, making the most of every opportunity. And I thought about that, making most of every opportunity. And I thought about Christmas time. I thought about, I thought about kids. I thought about being a parent because I'm a parent to five kids. And I thought about like, as a dad, making most of every opportunity. Like, what does that look like? How do I be careful in that? How do I be wise in that to make the most out of every opportunity? Because I know that they're little and they grow up very fast. And for a long time, you're like, oh man, I hope they just grow up. And then all of a sudden, oh man, I wish they were younger, all of that stuff. And so how do I make the most of every opportunity? You know, with a wife, with a husband or wife, or you're like, okay, I've got some time with them. How do I make the most of every opportunity to be wise about how I'm going to live and not unwise if my life is God, is His, and now He wants to use me in these moments. Like when you think about, like when you go to work tomorrow or you're with other people or when you gather around you like Christmas dinner or with your family, to make the most of every opportunity, to not be unwise about how you go about it. So around, this, around February, a couple years ago, we, had, we got into this rhythm of meeting my parents in Myrtle Beach. Anybody ever been to Myrtle Beach? And so we go in February, it's like, like February vacation, and you get out of the cold New England and you... you, you We'd meet my parents there, and outside of our hotel there was a lazy river. Anybody who had been on a lazy river? There's nothing better than a lazy river. A lazy river is just this little, you just sit in this little inner tube, and you just sit down. That's all you do. There's no work, no work whatsoever. You are just kicking back, and you let the current take you wherever it goes. And you're like, this is absolutely wonderful. It's like, I will take this. The problem is I start to realize that sometimes that's exactly how we can live our lives. You're just plopping down and just hoping the day gets by, just trying to get through the day. And you just let the current go wherever you go. And Paul will say, no, be wise. Be very careful about how you live. To make the most of every opportunity to seize the day and to seize the moments that God gives us. And as I say that, I'm, I'm thinking to myself and maybe thinking and asking you, like, what is, what if, if you could name it, if you could peg it, what is God wanting you to seize? What opportunities are in front of you right now? That's why we pray for one at one church. We're like, Lord, help me to seize the moments. Lord, help me to step into the moments. Lord, help me to be the man or the woman that you've called me to be, or the, the student, the young man, the young woman that you've called me to be. Lord, help me to seize the moment and to make the most of every opportunity. Because not only are the days are evil, but the days are short. And time is short and we get to use this time to bring glory and honor to God. So review our worship. It's something about at Christmas time, it's okay, let's step back and, and review our worship. And then there's this other side, it's fueling our worship. 
And when I first like, was thinking through that fuel, my worship, there was something about it that didn't make sense to me. And I, you might notice with me, I'm always, you know, I'm always like, okay, I, I'm always thinking through. Like, I was like, what do you mean fuel worship? Like, do you ever, like, let me just put this out there. Do you ever have to fuel worship? You would think, you would think that worship is like this response. It's like, okay, I'm staring at the grace of God. And so I'm just going to give a response. Worship is my response. And while that is absolutely true, I started to realize, well, in relationships, like if you were to talk about any relationship, husband and wife relationship, uh, friend relationship, parent-child relationship, I mean, each one of them takes work, right? They take work. They don't just happen. It's just a, like you love each other, and it, hopefully, and you, like you love each other and your relationship with each other, but, but, but if, you're, if, you're, if you're not fueling them, if you're not, if you're not um, nurturing them, if you're not doing something about them, then, then that feeling that you want to, any of you ever like get stuck, just stuck on a feeling, I had the songs in my head, any of you, you guys know what I'm talking about, ever you just get stuck on a feeling and all of a sudden you don't have that feeling anymore? You don't have the same feeling for your husband or wife. You don't have the same feeling for your, I, mean, I don't know, we do with our kids sometimes. You don't have the same feeling for your parents. All, all, you don't have the same, we lose our feet. We don't have the same feeling or affection from God. You're like, where is this coming from? It's because I think on some level we're supposed to fuel our relationships. I have a, I was talking, we, we have a wood stove at home. Any of you have a wood stove? Wood stoves are beautiful. I love my wood stove. I love my wood stove at this time, like when this, particularly like when the snow is falling outside and it's cold. And, and I love it for a lot of reasons because you can get the house burning hot and, and I was, I, I, you can, you can, and it's just in our one room. So, so, so when it's really cold, all the family kind of gathers together. I'm like, I like that too. I like the family gathered together. And, and there's something about fire. Let's just be honest. There's something about fire where you just gotta, you just gotta see it. You just gotta watch fire dance. And so I love it. I love my, my wood stove. But then at the same time, anybody who has a wood stove knows that there's work. There's work. Like there's, there's the going out and, and cutting down the wood and there's going out and pulling it out of the forest and there's, there's the chopping it, there's the splitting it, there's, there, there's work to it, there's the carrying it inside the house on a cold winter day when it's covered in snow. And, and so, so I'm thinking about fuel. I'm thinking, this is where I'm going. I'm thinking about fuel and I'm thinking about fire and I'm thinking about how much I love it and how much work it takes in the midst of that. And then I'm thinking about fueling worship and how sometimes we just think worship is going to happen. Or we think that worship is just some feeling that we're going to have. And, and so you can have it for a moment. And I've watched it within the church. And I've watched it in relationships where you're hooked on this feeling. And all of a sudden, the feeling wanes, right? Feelings go up and down. They go all over the place. And what I realized, if you're not, relationships take work. And our relationship with God, I, I, I'm trying, working really hard to say this accurately. But I think it takes, just like any other relationship, there's this... Hmm. this effort, there's this, God, how can I fuel my worship? God, I, I don't want to be floating down the lazy river wondering why I'm not feeling your presence because we've all been there at some point, right? Like we've been a little passive, we've been a little floating down, and we're like, God, I don't know where you're at right now. God, oh man, if you were really God, you'd really show yourself to me right now. God, I don't understand why you're so invisible right now. But when you look at our side of the relationship, it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I've actually been feeling it with that much. Or we get consumed and caught up in other things. And so Paul will say this. He says, be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, whatever opportunity God has put in front of you to say, okay, how am I going to make the most of it? And this is, then it says this, um, let me say this. Uh, the next few verses, it says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Where does, where does joy in life come? It comes from, from seeking to know what it is God wants and what God's calling us towards. Sometimes I think we play this game with the will of God. Have you ever, I've done this, let me just say this. Have you ever said to God, God, if I only knew your will. Oh God, if you would just make your will known to me, just make it plain and clear. And we're usually talking about, it. I, I think sometimes we use it as a little, um, a little of excuse not to act or not to do something. Because God's will is, is actually pretty clear. I mean, there's no surprises sometimes in what, what Jesus has called us to. For instance, let, let me give you, like, in, in, in case you have, like me, played the game of, oh, God, I just let me know your will. Let me tell you what God's will is. He says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, that's pretty clear. As I have loved you, love your neighbor. He, Jesus will, will wash his disciples' feet, and he'll say, he says, I want you to wash other people's feet. And you're like, literally? Well, I don't know if it's literally, but certainly on some capacity, he says, if I, if I, your king, have done this for you, I want you to go do this for others. He'll, he'll say to husbands, he says, husbands, I want you to love your wives like Christ loved the church who gave himself up for her. And so you're like, okay, why am I so, why do I pretend that I don't know what God's will is when it's so clear right in front of me? And so, so this is what Paul will say in, in Romans. He'll say, therefore, it's interesting how Ephesians and Romans kind of parallel with each other. Therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Keep on not conforming to the pattern of this world. Don't be foolish. Don't get caught up in it. But keep on being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when your mind starts to be renewed, then you will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So can you know the will of God? Yes. Is it always easy to walk in the will of God? No, it's not. It's hard. Like, like, I need the grace of God. And so this is what Paul says, therefore do not be foolish, but figure out how you're fueling your worship because that's the key. How do I fuel my worship well? My son is eight and he had his first basketball practice and he didn't want to eat dinner, which happens. And uh, I don't know where his mom or dad were at the moment, but he decided that what he was going to eat before basketball practice was three cupcakes. Now, you and I, we all know that three cupcakes right before your first basketball practice may not be the best way to fuel your body. And as he's making his way to basketball practice, he is realizing the flaw. He is realizing that what he has consumed, that the fuel that he has decided to choose is not actually going to bring the fulfillment what he was wanting it to do. And sometimes, sometimes we... We fuel the wrong way. And so this is what Paul will say. He says, don't fuel yourself. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's one way you could fuel yourself, but it, it doesn't stay there. He says, like, what are the external things in your life that you're pulling into the internal to try to, to bring you joy or satisfaction? What's fueling you? And in a lot of ways, it can be a lot of things, right? It could, for some, it could be wine. For some, it could be Netflix. For some, it could be Amazon. For some, it could be don't, 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 don't fuel yourself on football. Like, there, there, there's always, there, there's a place maybe for all of this, but he says, don't let that be the fuel for your life because what will happen is the flesh, the flesh likes certain types of fuel. Cupcakes, right? The flesh likes certain types of fuel and you'll run after it, but what you'll start is when you're fueling yourself with this, it doesn't always bring about what you want it to bring about. And so, so in Galatians chapter five, 
Paul will talk about two different types of fuel. I don't know. I didn't mean to talk about fuel. I did, but I didn't know I was going here. I talk about two different types of fuel. He says you can fuel the flesh, which is so fun for a little while. Like, we got to be honest in church. Like, like, it is fun for a little while. You can fuel the flesh, but you'll start to realize when you walk it out, you start to see what it produces. It's kind of like cupcakes. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23, it says this, the acts of the flesh, the fuel of the flesh is obvious. When we are just going after what we want, it, it, this is what happens. Sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and discord and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition and dissensions and factions and envy. It does, none of this sounds good. When you choose the wrong fuel, it, it it ends up, the flesh starts to take over and it takes you to places that you don't want to go. Um, but then he goes on to say this, but the fruit of the Spirit, now there's a different fuel. He says, but the fruit of the, fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. And it uses this word forbearance that messes me up. But forbearance and um, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there, there is no law. So he says, if you're going to choose an external type of fuel, choose the right one. You could choose the flesh or you could choose the spirit. And so that's what he says. He says, don't get drunk on wine. But then he says this. I love it. It's never just a negative. You got to be careful with scripture of, of staying in the negative. He says, don't get drunk on the spirit. Don't get drunk on wine. He says, get drunk on the spirit. Let that be the external force that drives your life. Let, let him fill you. You're like, okay, well, how do I fill myself with the spirit? Well, if I understand God correctly, he's given us the fullness of his spirit. It's not a fullness problem. The problem is sometimes in our worship... We've got so much other junk in there. We've got, uh, I'm sorry for pushing this. We've got too, much, too many other cupcakes in our bellies that, that it's, it's occupying other, other capacity for what the Spirit wants to do. And so you've got to figure out, okay, God, during this Christmas season, how do, you, how do I fuel my worship? God, let me walk in step with the Spirit. Maybe that's a prayer that like you ask him even now in this season, Lord, help me to walk in step with your spirit because I'm walking in step with the spirit. I'm not gratifying the, the desires of my sinful nature, but instead I'm seeking fullness in you. And you're like, well, I kind of like my own, chasing my own stuff. You do for a while. I have for a while. You have for a while. But it always leaves you kind of empty and it always doesn't take you to the place where you, you want to be. And so, fuel your worship in the right way. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're in Christ, there's that promise that He's in you. I mean, that's just equally as astounding. I mean, I don't know where you stop with the astoundingness of God. Like, is it, is it that He became flesh and a baby? Is it that He dwells inside us right now? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you stop with being amazed with the amazing grace of God. But then the last thing is to express your worship. And this is what... This is what Paul says it looks like. It says, have you ever watched a kid open a gift? I, and I know I, I, I kind of talk in both, both ways, but you, you do see worship work its way out of people. Like when you watch a kid open a gift that they love, you've seen YouTube videos of this, like they freak out. You know what I'm talking about? The kids that freak out. It's like there is something that they've been wanting, they've been waiting for it, and all of a sudden they get it, and, and everything like clicks. Their body is moving, their mouth is moving, they are just so, their thankfulness is there. You don't have to tell a kid how to, how to be excited about the very present that they've always wanted. It works its way out of itself. And so this is what Paul goes on to say. He says, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God, to the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship works its way out. 
Yeah, I think we're supposed to fuel it. Yeah, I think it's a relationship that's meant to be developed. And yes, there's ways to do that through worshiping together and singing songs with each other and praising Him together and, and gathering together and not giving up meeting together. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways. But then there's other ways in which it just works itself out. And so there's this ways that we give worship. We give our words. Speak to one another. God, how do you want us to speak to each other? Husband and wives, God, how do you want us to speak to one another? Parents and children, God, how do you want us to speak to one another? Sons and daughters, like, how do you want us to speak to one another? Classmates, when you go to school or college people, like, like God, God, how do you want us to speak to one another? Speak with the grace of God flowing through us. Speak to one another. Give songs, which is strange when you think about, when you, where, where are the places people where adults sing together? Try to, try to think of them. There's like two. There is, oh, karaoke. I forgot about karaoke. But, but I would say birthday parties, the, the, you get, you know, happy birthday, all of that. Birthday, happy birthday parties and Fenway Park singing Sweet Caroline. Like, like, like those are the places, those are some of the few places, except church. Church, there's this beautiful thing that we do where we sing together, where adults get together and sing. Like, and it's, in maybe concerts, I, maybe that's another one, but, but it's very few and far between where we get together and, and sing. What, what Paul says is like, keep on singing. And it says in everything, give thanks. Give thanks in everything, praise Him. And there's been a secret that God has, it's no secret, but it's revealed to my life probably three or four years ago, and it's the secret of gratitude, of learning to be grateful for what God has given and thanking Him, and man, joy really comes. And that can get some of the bitterness and the worry and the fear of your life when we just say, God, I'm, I just thank you for who you are. And so this Christmas, review our worship this Christmas, fuel it, may it be fueled with the right things. God, may your spirit take over. May we walk in step with you and then express your worship to one another. Sing, sing with one another. Talk, talk and speak words with one another and be thankful in everything. Jesus, as he's gathering with his disciples in the upper room, he shows us what his love looks like. He says, this is what love looks like. He, said, he takes a piece of bread and he says, this is my body given for you. In the same way that he says, I want you to give, my, I want you to give me your all. We, 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 we follow a God who does the very things he asks us to do. He says, I'm giving my all to you. I'm giving my life for you. And so now we give our life for him. And so he, in the upper room, he says, this is my body. And so every time you do this, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so we take this to our king. And then he takes the juice and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. This is how far I will go in my love for you. There is no end. I will go with everything. I will give you everything. And so we take to our king. Would you all stand with me? Maybe you're here this evening and you need prayer. Maybe you just, maybe your worship, you're like, you want to come back to the heart of worship. It's like, God, there is so much in this season. There's so much in my life. There's so much distraction that I want to seize this moment. I want to seize this day and, and I want to come before you in prayer um, to pray with one another. Tammy's going to be up here. Luke's going to be here. I'll be down on this side up front. And if there's any way that we can pray for you, pray with you, we would love to do that um, to kind of whatever it is, whatever it is you need prayer for. Or if today is the day you're like, for Pete's sakes, I'm going to seize this moment. I'm going to give to follow Jesus, that I'm tired of, I'm tired of my fears, and I'm tired of all the stuff that I'm holding back, and I just want to lay everything to Him. And today's the day you're like, Jesus, I'm yours. If you want to be baptized into Him, the baptistry behind me is is full, and we're going to sing a song. And whether it's during that song or whether it's after the service, whenever it is, that if God is so stirring your heart to be baptized into Jesus, um, that invitation is there as well. We all pray with me. God, it's all about you.
so often we can make life about us, so often we can get distracted by the things that shake our world. But Jesus, it's all about you. And so Lord, we, uh, we praise you and thank you. And Lord, for each of us here, Lord, may you show us how you want us to fuel our worship. Lord, show us areas where we've fallen off track and by your grace, Lord, calls back to yourself. And thank you for that grace. But I thank you for my brothers and sisters here right now and for what you're doing in this little group of people. Holy Spirit, may you do your work in us. It's your name we pray. parts of ourselves too that belong to him and I think that when we ask him that he'll answer to me and it's it's a simple Christmas song it's not really a Christmas hymn but it comes out of um, a familiar Christmas movie the little drummer boy and I think of that scene at the end where he comes to the manger of course with his drum and he's like I have no gifts to bring I don't know I don't know what I can bring But he brings what he has. And it says, I played my best for him. Lord, I want that to be my heart for you. That I would give you the best parts of me. Oh, 
Best for him. 